0: Well, we're back to the series on Sometimes, and today we want to talk about Sometimes I Feel Incredibly Lonely. Sometimes I Feel Incredibly Lonely. When God created the world, He declared that everything was good. You read that in Genesis, the first book of the Bible, the Old Testament, um, also chapter 1. The sun, the earth, the moon, the stars, all good. He was pleased. Pleased with the animals, pleased with the mountains, pleased with the oceans, pleased with the trees. Above all, God was most proud of his best work, which was man, Adam. And he saw that as very good, not just good. All was good. All was good, except one thing. The Lord God said in chapter 2 of Genesis, verse 18, It is not good for the man, for Adam, to be alone. Loneliness was a fly in God's otherwise perfect ointment, a problem that he fixed by doubling the human population from one to two. Adam now becomes Adam and Eve, Eve being his wife. And this opened the way for centuries of arguments over who gets to hold the remote control. But don't miss the important point. God designed people to need people. God designed people to need others. So it is not good to be alone. So here's my question. If this is true, then why do you feel lonely so much of the time? Feeling lonely, feeling alone is a major issue today in spite of Facebook and all the other social apps that flood our phones. And more and more people are experiencing loneliness during this time of the COVID-19 pandemic. Robin Williams once said, I used to think the worst thing in life was to end up all alone. It's not. The worst thing in life is to end up with people that make you feel all alone. Personal comment as an introvert, I like to be alone, but I hate to be lonely. Loneliness is a weird thing. You can stand in a crowded room full of people and feel alone. You can have people close to you physically, but far from your heart. You can be the life of the party and still be relationally bankrupt. Loneliness, married people aching to really know their partner's thoughts and feelings. Loneliness, kids craving real relationships, real friendships. Loneliness, teenagers who battle feelings of isolation and lack of acceptance. Loneliness, single adults Longing for married companionship. Loneliness, older people feeling abandoned and forgotten. Loneliness, even leaders, the ones who seem to have it all together, often feel lost and friendless in the hollowness of their souls. And God hates it. God said it is not good for men or women to be alone. So why is God so passionate about loneliness? Because he deeply values relationships. You see, our God is a trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And these relate to each other and live in unity and live in community. And he wants us to know him, have a relationship with him, and live in unity and community with him. And we cannot come to know him more unless we are sharing his love with one another. In other words, human relationships help us in our, divine, in our relationship with the divine, with God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We cannot know or experience his love in its fullness when we are isolated and alone and away from human relationships. Yet so many people struggle with thoughts like, no one understands me. Does anyone genuinely care about me? If I died, would anybody even notice? Would it really matter? No one knows the real me, and even if they did, they probably wouldn't like me. And so many of us have lived lives hoping to have an abundance of meaningful relationships and not having one really good one. Finding out that almost everyone, no, change that, everyone, has unspoken expectations of you that you most likely could not meet or simply wouldn't want to meet. We're discovering that people close to us have wounded us, and so we live guarded lives so we don't get hurt again. Most of us can relate. We became a believer and expected Christians to act like Christ, only to find out that they act more like the Antichrist. People you thought you could trust, well, you shouldn't have. And so even in a crowd, we can feel lonely, incredibly lonely. And as we lived life, we come to three key observations and conclusions. And these observations or conclusions keep us secluded, separated from touching and knowing others intimately. These observations, these conclusions we've made, even subconsciously, if not consciously, cause us to live life on the surface with no depth in our relationships. You know, an inch deep and a mile wide, we wear masks and hide who we really are. The first observation or conclusion is what I call seclusion conclusion number one. I have to perform for people. When we are trying to please people, all people, all the time, when we are so codependent and thus need to be needed and need to be liked, needing to please as we meet all needs, this whole issue of I have to perform spills over into our faith as believers and as Christians. Some believers see faith as something we must do so it is performance-based, earning approval, performing for approval and acceptance, fulfilling rules and regulations. And when we measure our worth by what we accomplish and produce, our performance, when, we, when our value is found in what we do and not in our relationship with Jesus and with others, then we come to this first seclusion conclusion. I have to perform for people to accept me like me and because we cannot perform up to the expectation people have of us or we think they have of us, that leads us to back off and to isolate and therefore to become lonely. As a church leader, as a pastor, as an apostle, if I don't perform, I don't get invited back, and thus my ministry will shrink instead of grow. And so deep inside I had this thought that I should not offend people, I should always say the right things, usually what they wanna hear, that I should be doing everything to help the church grow and don't rock the boat, be who they need you to be, don't be real. This is a hard reality to change because it always involves others and requires a strong you, a stronger you. Maybe you're a performer. In school as a child, you tried to prove your worth by making all A's, and in your mind a B was the same as an F. In sports, you didn't play to enjoy the sport. You had to be the best in the sport and win every time. As an adult, you strive to be the perfect parent. As an adult, you want to be the perfect spouse. As an adult, you strive to be successful in the business world. As an adult, you want to be financially successful. As an adult, you work hard to be a good friend. In relationships, you don't let others see the real you because you think, maybe you know, that you don't measure up. So you become who others want you to be, need you to be. So you unknowingly create impossible standards for yourself and daily put on your best performance for others. You know the show must go on and so does the loneliness. Because you're not being real and you're not being you. So seclusion, conclusion number one, I have to perform for people. And because you believe that, you don't come across who you really are. My value and my worth is directly related to my performance. And the result of that is sometimes I feel incredibly lonely. Seclusion, conclusion number two, that you've come to in your life subconsciously or consciously, is to survive in life, you can't trust anyone. In my life, in my ministry, I've extended a helping hand many times, discipling and training young men for ministry, helping people in need, counseling, being there for them. And in many cases, as soon as they had what they wanted, the relationship came to an abrupt end. In a few cases, it was simply our paths took us in opposite directions. But in many cases, those I trusted and thought were loyal turned on me, destroyed the relationship and poisoned many others with their words and their actions. Even people I have worked hard to be friends with have done that. When relationships blow up and leave you an emotional pool of blood you decide that you can't trust anymore. You end up feeling so insecure and not knowing who you can trust and be real with. And so you simply stop trusting. You stop being real. You live life on the surface. You protect who you really are and share it with no one. Maybe you have felt the same way to make it in this world. You always have to be on your guard. People aren't what they seem, so you must protect yourself. Don't trust them, or you'll get burnt. So you build walls around your heart and life, and you don't let anybody inside. And this will, of course, lead you into a frigid and lonely world of isolation. And your woundedness from past relationships, where your trust was betrayed, will keep you locked up inside and you will never trust again, and you will be lonely. So seclusion conclusion number two is that to survive in life, you can't trust anyone. And the result of that is sometimes you will feel incredibly lonely. But let's look at the third and the last seclusion conclusion. Seclusion conclusion, say that fast, three times, number three. People don't really care about me. Have you ever felt like that? People only want what's good for them. Your well being is meaningless to anybody else. They'll tell you that they love you or that they're praying for you, but it's all show. People don't really care. Let me tell you that when you are in ministry, this one quickly and really quickly comes to the surface. I sit and listen to a lot of leaders, many, many coffees. And as the relationship grows and we begin to relate more as equals and less as Mr. Expert here to help you in your mess, I look for a, given, a give and take in the conversation. I'm interested in how things are going in their life, but I would like to think that they would be interested in how I am doing as a person, or at least interested in my ministry. Nope not the case. In fact, never the case. And so if I'm not careful, I can end up thinking that people really don't care about me. And so I then relate on a job level and not on a personal level. Let me give you an example. One man I have worked with now for a decade and who I've known for 12 or 13 years. I live in his home when I'm in his area ministering. He has traveled with me. Every morning I say good morning and ask how he slept or I ask how he's feeling. In 12 years, he has only ever asked me how I was feeling once. And he has never asked me how my ministry is doing or how I was feeling at this stage in my ministry in my life. My conclusion, he really doesn't care for me, care about me as a person. So that's seclusion, conclusion number three. People really don't care about me. And the result of that conclusion is that sometimes I can feel incredibly lonely. In several places where I minister regularly, there are turtles. And when you're driving the back roads to get to a ministry opportunity, you know, usually a rehab center out in the middle of nowhere, you see these little shelled friends in the middle of the country road and your heart goes out to them. I want to get out and help them get across the road before they get smashed by a car. And when you drive by a turtle, you have to chuckle at their survival instinct. There he is, his bony little head sticking out on that long skinny neck. And when he sees the car approaching, he pulls in his limbs, he pulls in his head. I can't help wondering about turtle psychology. Does this illusion of safety really give him peace of mind? Is he in there inside his shell, lounging back in his armchair, smoking a little cigar, reading a good book? Does he really believe the car tire ceases to exist just because he can't see it? And I suppose millions of turtles throughout history have achieved the last few minutes of peace using this strategy before being destroyed. And that's what we tend to do when things don't go right in relationships, in the family, in friendships, in church, at work. We behave like turtles. We retreat into our shell. We no longer trust people. We don't open up to others. We don't take relational risks. We don't embrace or engage with others and their feelings and their life and their sharing. And we live life on the surface. We just hide inside with the illusion of safety. And as a result, we don't even get a few seconds of peace out of the deal. We are inside our little shell, lonely and hurting, crushed and broken. And then, and then, like a lot of Christians, we love God with our whole heart, but we avoid relationships with other believers because relationships are always so messy. You know, once burnt, twice shy. You start to believe that no one knows the real you. And that may be true. You're around people all the time, but you live in what feels like solitary confinement. You hide in your shell, living with the illusion of safety. But in reality, you are more vulnerable than ever. Here's why you're more vulnerable to further hurt and woundedness and greater loneliness. What do you do when you are lonely? What do we do when we are relationally dry, when we crave meaningful intimacy, when we are thirsty for something more, yet afraid to risk more pain? What do we do when we build our response to the feeling of loneliness on the wrong assumptions, my three seclusion conclusions? Here's what I do. Here's what you do. I believe that since people might not like the real me, I should conjure up a fake version of me, the old perform-for-people ploy, you know, give them my best show, be who they need me to be. Most everyone does it, at least some of the time. We try to astonish people with our great marriages that aren't that great. We go into debt buying things we don't need with money we don't have to impress people we don't even like. Maybe it's all about making the grade, doing more than expecting, scoring more points, saying the right thing. But we put on a mask and relate to others from behind the mask. In other words, we front a fiction. When we front a fiction... When we put on a fake show, we are destined for even more loneliness. And I have done it many times for a long time. And God is saying to me, God is saying to you, enough is enough. I made you who you are. Be the real you. And I heard that directly from the heart of God more than a decade ago. And I've been on an amazing journey of self-discovery ever since discovering the real me God created, then bringing the outside expression of me into line with the new, the real inside me. That whole journey started with a quote from a Dr. Seuss children's book. And in the book it says, Be who you are, because those who mind don't matter, and those who matter don't mind. Be who you are. Because those who mind don't matter, and those who matter don't mind. The verse that started this journey was found in Galatians chapter 1, verse 10. Am I now trying to win the approval of men or of God? Or am I trying to please men? If I was still trying to please men, I would not be a servant of Christ. Galatians chapter 1, verse 10. In the Passion Translation, it says, I'm obviously not trying to flatter you or water down my message to be popular with you, but my supreme passion is to please God. For if all I attempt to do is please people, I would not be the true servant of the Messiah. And may I add that you may also not be real and have decent relationships. Beyond a shadow of the doubt, I was trying to please and to impress the wrong audience. And God slowly started to break through my fear and my performance mentality, and it was a stubborn performance mentality. And he steered me away from living for others and gently called me back towards living for an audience of one. We need to stop fronting a fiction. If you are a performer, and you are, embrace the truth that God loves you and cares for you as you really are. The real you that exists deep inside. And no matter what kind of external show you put on, no matter what performance you have, you can't do anything to make him love you more, and you can't do anything to make him love you less. And because he sees the real you and loves the real you, then you don't have to or need to perform for people. You can just be you, a continually growing and maturing you. You don't have to behave correctly a certain way to earn God's acceptance. Instead, you live empowered by God's spirit with the goal to please him alone Because he has already accepted you and loved you unconditionally. You are not who others say you are. You are not who others want you to be or demand you to be. You are who God says you are. So stop performing for others. God's opinion of you is the only one that matters. God created you, and he knows you, and he loves you. Your life belongs to him. So allow him to guide and direct you and move you away from fronting a fiction, a fake you that has been created because you believed in the three seclusion conclusions. Remember, seclusion, conclusion number one, I have to perform for people. Not true. Seclusion, conclusion number two, to survive in life you can't trust anyone not true seclusion conclusion number three people don't really care about me not true the core issue in all of this becomes self-protection you're protecting yourself from being hurt burnt betrayed disappointed crushed rejected in my life before i learned these truths that these conclusions were not true The walls would go up and I would cut myself off from meaningful relationships. And the walls were strong and thick and high. My heart had a no trespassing sign posted over it. I would show others just enough of me to give an illusion of a good relationship and never enough to make my heart vulnerable again. Slowly, God revealed these truths to me and I saw my need to change to come to know myself better, to really fully know myself and then to be fully known by at least one other person, to then live on the outside who I was on the inside and thus live with integrity, no longer fronting the fiction, to build healthy relationships with no hidden agendas, to be honest, open, vulnerable, transparent, real, and to no longer then feel incredibly lonely in the midst of multiple relationships. So let me give you a personal side note. When I now meet people, it feels like I would enjoy a personal relationship with them more than a ministry connection where we work together or I minister to them. I think about the potential in the possible relationship in light of these three seclusion conclusions. I think, are they performing and working to impress me? Are they willing to trust me, revealing who they really are? Are they showing that they really care about who I am, not just what I can do? I just don't have the time nor the interest to hang around someone who won't be themselves, someone who in so many ways is hiding who they really are and functions from self-protect mode. So let me close with a Bible story where we see an amazing relationship between two people, a story that is found in 1 Samuel chapter 23. It's a relationship that laughs in the face of these three seclusion conclusions. So let's look at the relationship between David and Jonathan. David is in the very beginning of his life so far. He's performed for his family, then he performs for Saul the king. He felt rejected, he felt left out, he felt alone in his family, he felt alone in his role within the king's court. He had experienced many reasons to no longer trust anyone, his father, his family, his brothers, Saul, others, even God. He certainly would have reached the conclusion the people don't care. The young shepherd David had been anointed as the next king of Israel. The current king, Saul, was not the least bit happy about it. and Consumed with jealousy, he set out to take David's life. Then God sent David an interesting ally, an interesting friend. It was none other than King Saul's son, Jonathan. Jonathan, The heir apparent to the throne, the throne that has now been promised to David. If I had been David, I would have hesitated before trusting the son of my would be assassin. But not David. In 1 Samuel 23, verses 16 and 17, we see recorded a powerful moment between these two young men. 1 Samuel 23, 16 and 17. And Saul's son, Jonathan, went to David at Horesh and helped him find strength in God. Don't be afraid, he said. My father Saul will not lay a hand on you. You will be king over Israel, and I will be second to you. Even my father Saul knows this. Jonathan had every reason to be jealous of David, or to make his own attempt at securing the throne for himself by destroying David. But instead, he humbled himself to serve his friend and offered David a powerful and deep friendship. Jonathan did some amazing things. First, he helped David find strength in God. David couldn't have become the hero of later decades without his friend's support at this important stage in his life. Secondly, Jonathan vowed his loyalty to protect David. And thirdly, Jonathan put David ahead of himself. In word and in action, Jonathan showed David he was a trusted and true friend as he engaged and embraced life and engaged and embraced the relationship with his friend David. Remember, David has been burnt by King Saul The king had tried to run David through with his spear. The king had tried several other times to take David's life. So David had every reason not to trust anyone and to keep the walls up with no trespassing signs posted all over the wall. But David had personally dealt with these three seclusion conclusions. And as a result, David had an open heart. And he did not feel incredibly lonely. With Jonathan, he felt loved, supported, encouraged, and accepted. So what about you? Do you find it easier to give than to receive? Maybe your pride is blocking you from receiving love and acceptance from someone else? Maybe you need healing from past relationships so that you will learn to trust a current relationship. Maybe you have believed a lie that you are not important. A lie that says you won't ever amount to anything. A lie that says that what you think and feel is irrelevant because no one cares. Does anybody really know the real you? Do you know the real you? And folks, it's time to get real. Instead of blaming your past, ask for help to get over your past. Instead of blaming others, look at yourself and be honest. I mean, really honest. Instead of hiding from yourself, you need to move forward on your journey of self-discovery. Instead of performing for others to win their approval, to win their acceptance, just come to accept who you are right here, right now and be real.